Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 186. And today we're talking marketing funnels in WordPress, building them. What are they? Uh, what benefit is it to you? But before we get into today's show, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to our sponsor, Liquid Web. For many years, Liquid Web's been known as a managed hosting company with tons of options. But recently, they've designed a managed WordPress offering that's perfect for mission-critical sites. If your site absolutely, positively cannot fail and you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the hosting partner that you've been looking for. Now, every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer has iTeam Sync already integrated into their management portal. This means you can update several sites with a single touch. And they're also releasing a new way to update your plugins. You can actually see a screenshot of what your site is going to look like after the update. So you know that your site's not going to break when you update plugins. So if all that sounds great to you and you want to sign up today, use the discount code WPTONIC33 and you'll get a 33% discount for the next six months. Visit liquidweb.com slash WordPress to get started and use that code WPTONIC33. <laughs> and with that, we want to introduce the panel. We've got uh, four people in the posse today, and I'm going to start with our guest, Adam Fout. We've had him on before in episode uh, 130, and I think one other time. But for those who don't know you, first time they're meeting you, tell us who you are, what you do. So I'm Adam Fout. I'm the, um, I think my, on our website, it says that I'm the content weaver and social media herder. <laughs> so I do the content writing stuff. Um, but I, I would say at this point, I've become more of just a general marketer. Um, my focus is on content and um, like, like you were talking about just before the show, starting the funnels, building the, the funnels from the beginning, uh, the top, right? Um, but that's that's my main job, and I, Blue Steel Solutions is where I work, and we're here in the lovely Denton, Texas. Yep, yep, and then we've got our esteemed colleague, Sally Getch. For those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. <clears throat> sure. I'm Sally Getch. My business is WP Fangirl. I build uh, custom WordPress sites for small businesses and nonprofits. I'm also the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California. Woot, woot. And then I want to introduce my beloved co-host, Jonathan. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, yeah, we will do. But before that, I want to plug our sponsor again, Liquid Web. <laughs> Been a great sponsor, folks. Great company, great hosting. And they're cool people as well. And we do appreciate them being our major sponsor over, over the past few months, don't we, John? Absolutely. And introduce myself. I'm the founder of this craziness, WP Tonic, a spoonful of medicine every month. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm the founder, and we help people with their WordPress problems, businesses, anybody who's looking for a trusted partner. 
Excellent. And I'm John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design. What I provide is custom WordPress development and SEO for all you small to medium enterprise businesses and e-commerce shops. So before we get into today's main topic, we have a few news stories here. Top of mind is a video put out by Matt Medeiros of The Matt Report. And this one was called The WordPress Community is Not for the Taking. Not for the taking. Not for the taking. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I know, I don't know if you've seen this video, Adam, but, uh, you know, just, just general thoughts. I mean, the, the WordPress community is like any community. You know, you're going to have people who are um, leaders. You're going to have people who are followers. You're going to have people who are trying to change things. And I think right now, just generally in the world, we're in a, a time of of change that some are very excited about and some are very not excited about, you know? So it it doesn't surprise me in the least that some of this might bleed over into the WordPress community because we are part of larger communities as well. I I like the sentiment. Um, It's not for the taking, but I don't like um, the, the, um, the, the fight, you know? I mean, I, I, I feel like a community should be knit together and, I, I definitely feel like there are a lot of communities in a lot of countries today that are um, dividing, and I don't think that's good anywhere. That's just my opinion. Definitely. Sally, I know you have thoughts. Let's I, hear them. I, I always have thoughts. That's why you have me here. You can't have time <laughs> to have opinions. Darn straight. And, uh, uh, well, I was watching it uh, this morning, and, and, you know, it appears that what happened is – uh, somebody was complaining about the community not uh, supporting his recent project. And what Matt was doing was, Kitty, if you move the microphone, people can't hear me, was saying is that, you know, you can't expect to just walk into a group of people. And this happens, you know, in a, in a lot of areas with, with folks trying to do, say, marketing on, on social media. They just sort of wade in and, and uh, start advertising and expect people to share their stuff. And that's uh, not how it works. You, If you want to, the communities to support you, you have to put something into it. You have to get to know people. You have to, I mean, you know, I'm I, one of my clients is, is uh, Business Networking International. I, I help with their podcast site. And, you know, Ivan Meisner is always saying, you know, networking is more like farming than like hunting. Uh, you have to, you have to put something into it before you can get something out of it. And uh, your definition of support and everybody else's definition of support may be different. I mean, you know, people may say that it may support you in the idea that they encourage you to go out and do something and, and build a business. Uh, they may not necessarily support you by uh, promoting your product everywhere if it's not appropriate to their readership or their listeners. I think that's a great point. That is something that Matt addressed is in, in, in his video, he said, just because you have something that you want to promote doesn't mean that you get to come on my show because I've built up this audience. And that's a sacred thing. Like the show is not going to be interesting if I just have people on here who want to pimp their stuff. Yeah. That's not the way to go. Jonathan, I know that you (laughs) have thoughts. I have thoughts too, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was very conflicted by, because first of all, we love Matt. Um, He's been on the show twice. Come back, Matt. You're always welcome on WP Tonic. He's never invited me. I don't know if he's invited you <laughs> on his show. But I don't care. You know, he's still welcome to come on my show. And I don't expect him, 
you know, he's got to do the best for himself and for his audience. So there's no expectation. And a lot of people got their knickers in a twist about this. <laughs> I, I just think it's cultural. But I was disappointed he never came on my feed and started having a... <laughs> I, I, felt, I felt let out. <laughs> I felt, you know, I was waiting for him. You know, you can you imagine, John, the English sarcasm. And I don't expect everybody in the world to like me. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> it's always a surprise when I find out people don't like me because I think I'm quite witty. <laughs> but um, but I, uh, and I, I try and be a reasonably compassionate, kind person. I don't succeed a lot of the time, but it does a does I have got a conscience somewhere. Um, but there's a group of people in WordPress that really heat my guts. And they just really don't like me. And I just accept it because I'm an adult. I'm not going to change my ways at 50. So <laughs> I am what I am. And some people do not appreciate my English humour, do not appreciate my sense of humour, and really don't get it. I... I have a few thoughts on this. Matt's video talks about something that Gary Vaynerchuk talks about too. And, and this is the expectation that just because you show up, just because you are in the community, like everybody should support you. But the fact of the matter is, is the market is the market. And that means that you're fighting for attention every day. You're fighting for relevancy every day. People are not obligated to kick you business. I know that there's been times in my career uh, early on where, you know, I felt resentful, but then it was like, you know, the same thing. If you want to get the business, no one owes you anything. No one owes you, even if you've been in, you know, the web community for 30 years, no one owes you a thing. This is the world. Every day you have to go out and earn it again. And with publishing, you know, podcasting, content marketing, uh, running a business, it's difficult. You know, like the saying goes, you can be around the world and spend lots of years on the planet, but every time you're hitting publish, take nothing for granted. You know, in the community, we've seen this a couple of years ago with uh, the answer guy. You know, he came in, he started spamming um, all the big names in WordPress and like expected them to like pimp his site. But the fact of the matter is, is he didn't build up the respect and people do business with people that they know, like, and respect. So I think there's a lesson here. It's like, you can be a big deal or you can be famous or, or whatever, but if you, you have to be careful, like with how people perceive you, if you, you know, are continually bashing people that you think are below you, or people that are above you or people that are around you, that's going to have a blowback at some point. I'm a type of person, I'm out to eat people's lunch. I'm not even going to make a pretend about that. I'm, I'm out to be a business rival, but you know, I'm not out to do it in a way that's evil. Do things the right way. <laughs> I guess that's enough for that, you know, but um, here's the thing. Like, guard um, your lunch, everyone. Yeah, right. <laughs> guard your lunch. Uh, moving on to a more positive note, Automatic is hosting a free remote conference on design and ex exclusion today, and I think this is a great idea for a number of reasons. You know, there's a lot of talk of, you know, accessibility, uh, diversity, uh, better culture, making sure that everybody is uh, included because most products on the web are not, you know, being used by just one group or set of people or people with one set of devices, but there's people all around the world like using 
uh, different things, and especially when it comes to WordPress. So Adam, thoughts on this? I mean, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great point. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of uh, lip service paid to ideas like diversity and accessibility. And then when you look at how it's actually playing out in practice, these things, not much is happening, you know, and you look at some of the big tech companies and they say diversity, diversity, diversity. Then you look at the numbers and it's still like, you know, 95% white male or whatever. Um, but I think you see, you know, it's important stuff and it, it matters. And I, I think the idea of doing it in remotely is in itself, in itself, very accessible. Um, you know, I think we kind of forget how hard it is for some people to, to get out of the house. Some people cannot get out of the house. You know, I have a friend who's wheelchair bound and he, you know, something like that. He's, He's just not going to be able to go to the DFW work camp because, you know, of where it's located and because of his condition. So I think it's a, it's a great thing, and uh, I like the idea of it being a remote comp. No, I think that's really great. Uh, Sally, thoughts on this? Uh, pretty much what he said. I mean, I, I have been paying more and more attention myself to ideas of accessibility, and, and, you know, Microsoft has published this sort of inclusive design. I'm not sure what you would describe it as, but you can look it up, and they talk about sort of what they're trying to do to make make design in, inclusive, and it makes sense to make a conference about inclusion as inclusive as, as possible. I mean, you know, the only people you exclude are basically mm-hmm. folks who haven't got uh, the type of, of internet connection that would sustain it. And most of those people are probably not working in design, but you know, you're, you're not going to ever get it quite perfect because if something is really good for one type of need, you know, it's especially good for, you know, screen readers or people who have to, to tab through things or, or people who are colorblind, it may not be as good for some of, of the others. And, and we just have to, you know, do the best we can to make, what we create usable by the largest number of, of, of people. And we're, we're going to miss some things, but if, if we are at least trying, because there's so much stuff now that just isn't even trying. Yeah. Thoughts on this, Jonathan? I, I think there's two aspects. I, I totally agree with what Adam had to say, you know, at best it lip service. And it really, I'm not, I, I'm not going to go down a political Warren here, but I'm just touching social tendencies and I think this, um, what Adam was touching, this, um, struggling for the word now, um, seemed to care, but the reality, it's lip service at best, is something that um, one of the reasons why uh, Mr. Trump became President Trump is a lot of... The, a lot of people in America, in the world, are touched with this kind of lip service, but the reality doesn't match. Um, the other part that really um, was the actual what Sandy was talking about, what the content of the course will be, but the other area that it was uh, going to be held online, and I really do think it would be great if the foundation um, looked at a conference online because like um, what Adam says there is a lot of people that can't afford to go to WordCamp USA just they just couldn't afford it and it'd be great if there was a virtual conference as well run either at the same time or at, at a different time John they do live stream a lot of WordCamp stuff, but it's something that was designed for people to really participate in it online would would also be nice no, I agree. I, I think virtual things, uh, virtual summits where there's recordings later, I think are really good. And, and when they're kind of like spread out like that too, with different time zones, there's ways for people to participate. 
I think having a recording of, of stuff like this is is a good way for people to still participate after the fact. So hopefully they'll be doing that. Uh, we uh, have a third story. We just have a little bit of time for this one, but this one was a transparency report by Themeisle, and they were talking about the future of Themeisle, how often people change themes. Basically, the summary of it is a lot of people change their free WordPress themes. One of the things that they were looking at, you know, looking at the, the, the data, is sometimes the marketing of a theme doesn't match like what the theme is, is putting out there. So one of the things that they experimented with was adding more content and, and really heavily investing in content marketing. And at first they didn't get a lot of uh, result out of it, but over a long time they really started to get some traffic out of this and, and uh, they had some positive results. So thoughts on this, Adam? Um, I mean, I think that's content marketing in a nutshell and I think that's why it's so hard to sell it sometimes. I mean, you know, we, we've got a client that we're doing some content marketing for right now and, you know, they, they wanted to go with a smaller package and it was like I knew as soon as we started this is probably not going to be enough and it but it takes time it takes time to build that up it's just like building up an audience you can't just wake up one day and say i want an audience of 10,000 people tomorrow you know it just doesn't happen you have to do lay the groundwork so i think that's great that it's working for them and i mean this stuff does work if you're going about it in the right way instead of just you know blasting advertisements into people's faces and it sounds like they saw that didn't work and and did something different and it did and that's great that's a great point. And, and something else that, that, that reminds me of too is you can put stuff out there but, and you can do the exact same thing that somebody else is doing when it comes to content, but it doesn't mean that you're going to get the same result. Yep. So sometimes you just have to do the work and just kind of uh, see what happens. Sally, thoughts on this article? Uh, yeah, I, w- I took it a little bit differently. I mean, they, they talked about, I mean, their content marketing absolutely had results. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. But part of what they were saying seemed to be, we spent so much effort on our content marketing that we were not putting as much effort into our actual theme development and making sure that it was uh, satisfying our customers. And then we took a look at these numbers. And, uh, you know, once we had the ability to, to, to do so and we realized that a lot of people are, you know, lots of people are downloading and installing this theme, and, but they're not sticking to it. So why are they not sticking to it? And I think that's like really valuable data for anybody who is selling themes or, uh, or plugins is not just how many people use it, but how many people keep using it. How, how happy are, are, are people with it? Is it something that, you know, and, and they said, in this case, maybe our marketing and our product don't match very well. So people are expecting something different and that's why they don't stay with it. And of course, you know, nobody likes a, a, a bait and switch arrangement. You know, your presentation is described as it's going to cover these points. You get there, the speaker never mentions any of those things. You're annoyed. So, you know, and, and I think it illustrates part of what's difficult, especially for a, a smaller company, is to be able to put enough effort into all the things they need to do. Because if, you know, if you put all your effort into making a great product and none of it into marketing, nobody will know it exists and no no one will buy it. And if you put all your effort into marketing and nothing into making a, a great product, then you end up with something where it's broken and people complain about it. And, and it, you know, somehow you have to be able to juggle, you know, bringing pe- both bringing people into your funnel and what you do with them when, once they get there. Yeah, that's frustrating. Make your product good. How are, 
how are you going to have marketing without a great product behind it? No, excellent, excellent points. Um, it's managing expectations. Jonathan, any quick thoughts on this? Oh, I think both Adam and Sandy brought great points, but I actually think it's even more of a nightmare than that because I was I was being interviewed for a podcast yesterday and um, we were discussing my road with Mailrite and it's not it's even worse than that and you know you really got to understand the audience that you're marketing to what mm-hmm. what do they find important how the you know you you could build a great product that you really in your heart you know is really good and will benefit your target audience and when people try it they agree with you but when you try and market it, it's not touching things. The message, the core, the psyche or the product really doesn't get its target in audience that interested. They're not interested. It doesn't have that emotional engagement of fear or greed <laughs> that will get them to get them off their backsides and actually purchase it and try it. And because what people forget is they have a tendency to worry about competition, um, physical competition, and you've got to be you know aware of it, obviously. But you've got much worse competitor, the competitive, I call it the competitor of doing nothing, of inertia i call it the competitor of inertia uh, of oh i don't really care about this it's not important i'm not going to try it i'm not going to waste so i've got i've got enough hours in my day now so this project ain't really going to help me so why should i bother you're that's the real competitor you're dealing with inertia john that's an excellent point. I think a lot of times we look at, you know, rival theme companies or agencies or consultants as our competition. And it's really, that's not the competition. It's really doing nothing and changing nothing is the true competition. Excellent, excellent point. Uh, with that, I think we're going to take our break and then we're going to head into our main topic, which is marketing funnels and WordPress and, you know, understanding what they are and how to leverage them so that we can get people to close more sales in the end. See you in a minute. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up-to-date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back from the break, and now we're talking our main topic, uh, you know, marketing funnels and WordPress. I want to ask Adam, you know, when it comes to marketing funnels, there's kind of a basic structure to it where at the very, very top, you have awareness uh, then your people are kind of, you know, judging, like, do I go with this solution or that solution? And then they're making a commitment and, and getting the sale. But at the very, very tippy top of the funnel is, is the part where people don't even realize that they have a problem that needs to be solved. Mm-hmm. And in your work at Blue Steel, like, how do you guys address that part of it? 
educating people that they even have a problem? Well, I think we, we usually start even before that is figuring out who are these people in the first place, you know, and I think you touched on it a little bit earlier at some point when we were talking, but um, one thing we, we push on our, our customers is as much as possible when we're helping them set up their stuff is you have been going for a while, you're getting these leads and we say, who, who are your customers? And you say the people with money. And we're like, oh, okay, let's just go find them, you know? And it's, it's so nebulous, you know? And we don't know who we're targeting. And I think before we can even start to get into the education portion of things, we have to say, who are these people? And who is it really that you want to work with? And who is it that's going to be a good fit for you? And, and breaking that audience down and then segmenting it and saying, okay, we've got this guy over here and this lady over here and these people over here. And I think it's very easy to to get to jump right into, well, I'm just educating in this like weird general way, you know, everybody who might happen to be on the internet and maybe stumbles across my article, you know. So I think before you even get into that, you know, how are we going to get people into the top of the funnel in the first place, um, you have to think about who who is the, who are those people out there? You know, who are the people who are, who haven't gone into the funnel who might go in there? Cause there's going to be, most people aren't even going to go in a, anywhere close to it. So I think, but then once you get, you know, that kind of figured out, then you can start to say, okay, so where are these people? You know, where are they spending time online? Where are they spending time offline? How do we reach them in the first place? Are they, maybe they are more educated than we think they are. You know, maybe there are some people doing some educating of these people in different, you know, in, in Facebook groups in LinkedIn groups in different online communities and offline communities. Maybe there's some stuff that we can jump in there too. So I, I think that, but you can't, how can you know which ones to go to if you don't know who these people are, you know, and, and you see that all the time with, with a lot of marketing is just bumbling around in the dark because they haven't figured out who it's supposed to be for in the first place. No, that's a great point. That position and uh, identifying your avatars is, is an important thing. Um, Sally, when it comes to like getting people in the, in the top part of your funnel, do you, have you spent like a lot of time like defining like your ideal customer and then creating uh, some sort of content to attract them in or how do you get people to in that top part of, of your own marketing funnel to, to get them down there into doing business with WP Fangirl? So I've actually just been uh, thinking about this more and, and saying, because, you know, this is pretty much how, you know, every marketing consultant everywhere tells you to do your, your marketing, not specific to WordPress. It's like, you need to know who your ideal client is before you can go find them and, and, and market to them. And, and, you know, if you think that you're, you know, if, if you think that your, your book, you know, the audience for your book is everybody, you have a problem. <laughs> you know, you may want everybody to read it. But seriously, who is this really written for? And, and likewise, you know, who is the ideal customer? And, you know, I basically had an experience last year with, with you know, oh, yeah, this person is really my ideal client. Like, you know, this individual. And so let me break, like, let me start breaking it down as to like, what about this person is, is, you know, it's partly sort of, all right, sort of where this person is in a company and the type of company they're working for and their approach to working. And so what I, what I would like to start doing somewhere in my copious spare time uh, is to create a, a section on my website about, you know, meet my clients. 
because prospective clients looking at the website because somebody mentioned my name or gave them my URL will then have a very quick idea of, oh, do I fit into this category? Is it this, you know, is, 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 am I, is this person a match for me? And, you know, it, it will also give my clients a little opportunity to, to talk about their businesses and, you know, show, show that off a bit. I tend to write my content pretty much for myself. Uh, I write a lot of tutorials on, okay, I figured out how to do this and I want to write it down so I don't forget the next time I need to do it. And so, you know, a lot of what I write is is more technical than what my clients uh, would be interested in, but it has still started to bring me work because, for instance, I've written a whole series of articles about the events calendar and the modern tribe people have put links to them in their forums. And so I get people asking me questions all the time. Well, I have two people right now who are actually offering me money to do their their specialization. So it's not that you necessarily have to write articles aimed at your clients, although I, I do try to, to create some of those to or help people understand why it should matter that, you know, they take the time to get HTTPS set up or mm-hmm. something like that. But, uh, you know, I think it's hard if you're just starting out, it's hard to know who your ideal client is because you just haven't been in business long enough to understand that, oh, these certain projects really work out well and these certain other projects really don't work out well. And, and what do, you know, what do the good ones and the, and the difficult ones have in common is it you know some of it is going to be the type of mistakes you make yourself and some of it is going to be that that you're not working with the with the right people now i think there's there's a lot of good points that you're making here and and i think it's a great idea if if you have like a page where it shows your clients and kind of like the the types of people that you're doing business with that's something that i've changed like recently is is really identifying like who my target you know, who's going to do the hiring. And the two things that I've come up with is it's either marketing managers at at medium sized companies, or it's going to be like business owners of companies that are small, but growing. And by identifying these two things, you know, these two types of avatars, it's, I can put myself in the position of that. And the, the other thing that you mentioned, Sally, which I think is a great idea is not making everything technical, but the technical articles that you are writing, there are ones that are in a, in a way they're thorough enough to where people are linking to them as answers. And then you're getting work from them. And that's something that I found like is, is works really well too, is writing thorough technical articles that end up being backlinked and people end up coming to your site and maybe wanting to hire you to do that work. Jonathan, when it comes to lead generation and, um, you know, with the podcast, we've uh, actually seen people coming in the door to try and hire WP Tonic. Um, Have you found that to be successful? What are some other means of lead generation that you have found to be successful to get people in that top part of the funnel? Well, yeah, it's been successful, you know, You've got to offer a lot of entry points, and we've, you know, Adam and Sandy have covered a lot of ground. Um, I would, I just want to break this into two specific areas. I call it off-site funding and on-site funding, right? And I think with Adam and Sandy, you've been talking a lot about the off-site funding process, and I, I think. I think it's a difficult one because the reality is that most web development agencies are regional. 
they um, they're based in they get they initially a lot of their clientele by um, meeting people at different networking having personal recommendations in a regional um, location either and depending I truly feel um, I know Adam's agencies and also Sally's a little bit contradict what I'm just about to say but nothing can be written in stone but I do feel even though you can have a larger degree of competition being in a reasonably large metropolitan area is going to be a little bit easier for you than being in a small city of let's say 100 to 200,000 when you're starting out as a regional and then as your experience grows, you then understand what kind of clients you do like and what industries you like. And then you probably would be advised to specialise in a particular industry group of people. Um, it doesn't have to be industry-based. It could just be a, a subsection of people that, you, uh, that you've found that you empathize with that you can work effectively with and then then you aim your um your campaigns your the uh, uh marketing materials the posts you write all the things that sally described to that target right um and it's only been the past 18 months that I really kind of worked out that I wanted to deal with either small or medium to large. I didn't want to deal with small to medium. I know that sounds a contradiction, but you, you have clients, smaller clients that are making reasonable money, and then you have medium and large clients. They're the ones that I wanted to focus at. But you have to focus at those that with very different marketing strategies, right? And then you've got the on-site. That's, that's the area that also interests me, John, because in the WordPress industry, you've got this, this saying that really irritates the hell out of me. It's, oh, it's only a marketing website. And it's endemic from top to bottom, even in the industry. And I just want to say to people, if you're making money from your website and you want to make more money from your website, you try and have a go and find out how easy it is to build really effective online funnels that really converts. Go on, just have a go at it and find <laughs> out you, you'll want to go back to your coding really quickly because you find out how <laughs> tough it is so i just think that's a challenge because and it's just as bad on the wp tonic site and really working on it with your help john is trying to sort out where you take these people and how you um, offer them certain level of inducements to get them more and more involved and just to finish, one of my fascinations recently has been Facebook. And I've been following a podcast called The Art of Paid Traffic by Rick Moretti, probably butchering his surname. <laughs> um, 
but I got to tell the actual the way he uses the podcast. Then he has online seminars. The actual pitching of the initial freebie products. Then he offers a medium level course and a high level course. And the way he structured all the funnels on the website and the webinars, if you want a um, clear structure of how you should run an effective funnel, I really should think you should go to his website and actually go to one of the webinars and see how effective marketing really works, John. Cool. Now, there's a lot of great, there's a couple of great points that I want to like target from what you just said. And one is, when you when a lot of people start out, they get their leads like regionally, and they might be generalists. As they go um, through time, they develop some sort of marketing campaign with its content or, or whatever. But they're targeting. They develop avatars that they're targeting, and then they're not as reliant like as being in a particular region because they've got like a vertical and they've got an avatar that they're targeting. Uh, the the last part what you're talking about there is you're talking about like a product ladder where you train people to make a small purchase and then you offer them like a bigger purchase and then you got your big money purchase. And I have found that that is super, super effective for getting people to uh, do those big projects is you offer them, you know, something small and once they're comfortable giving you money, and you're you're building up like trust in the bank you can you can ladder them up to bigger and bigger purchases i have found this is 100% effective something that i, I want to ask adam is you know when it comes to you know say you've you you're bringing people into your site through content marketing and different things you've got the lead generation part now the next step is kind of like lead nurturing what are some some strategies that blue steel uses to kind of bring people farther down that funnel and closer to, you know, giving them information. Do you guys use social, email? What types of things do you do? So, I mean, getting people on an email list, that's important, you know, and keeping regular touches, I think, is just the name of the game. And I, I think it's easy for, um, you know, even when you're, when you're doing something like building an email list, it's, it's easy to forget that those are individuals on there. And it's easy to forget that um, to to look at it as a mass of people and to send and and start doing the same thing, not targeting, um, not being, you know, targeted with what you're doing. And I think one thing that we do is to look at that list and look at okay, you know, for instance, the email list and say, okay, where do these people work? You know, who are the people who are opening our emails quite often? You know, who are the people who are spending time on our website? So digging into that data, you know, who are the people who show some real interest and then just going old school and reaching out to them, you know, and sending them an email or God forbid, making a phone call, you know, um, which we all seem scared of doing these days, you know, and, and trying to get some actual personalized touches and see, you know, what can we do to facilitate this to the next level? And that's where we, we found a lot of our successes is seeing that, you know, this guy's opened the email 20 times. Somebody needs to to talk to him, you know, and see what's going on. Or, you know, she bought our our ebook for for nine ninety nine. You know, she was willing to make a purchase. She valued the content enough to to try it out um, based on the free stuff we get out. Let's reach out to her and see if there's more we can do to help. And invariably, that ends up with a conversation that can lead to a sale. 
So I think it, and, and you know, you, you can see this in other aspects as well, but I, I think it becomes, it's very easy when you have this stuff online and on your website to look at it as these are ghosts almost, you know, that are just flitting about my website and, and they're not, they're not real people. And to realize these are real people, they have real money. Um, we should talk to them and, and make this as personalized as possible so that we can move them down that funnel. No, I, I think that is some excellent points. When people are engaging, like they're opening emails, they're um, you know, leaving comments on blog posts, whatever it is, they're engaging with you on social media, that shows that they're interested and, mm-hmm. you know, in, and then reaching out, calling them. I call people on the phone all the time. I think it's more effective than emailing yeah. in a lot of ways. Or like we use this video um, software. I use the same thing because I, I have a lot of people that are out of town and, and mm-hmm. I video conference with them. It's good for them to see my face and me to see theirs and yeah. we feel like more connected. Sally, when it comes to lead nurturing, what are some strategies that you've used to uh, move people from just a disinterested observer to an engaged uh, person that might make a purchase down the road? Uh, at this point, if they're not interested, I don't really bother with them. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there, 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 are, there are now e- enough people showing interest that I don't feel like I need to, to go out and try to persuade people that they need something that they don't think they need. Um, I, I did want to respond to Jonathan's statement about your kind of regional and, and metro areas. I think it was a big help to me that I started out doing WordPress stuff when I lived, you know, more in the Bay Area and not out here in, in the Delta because there was just a lot more happening. I mean, I still go back once a month to Oakland. It's a 45-minute drive with no traffic mm-hmm. uh, to run my meetup um, because that's where, where people are and, and meeting people personally helps a lot when you're first getting started once you are established in an area like wordpress consulting where it it doesn't matter so much where you you know you are you don't necessarily have to meet with a with your clients uh, on site uh, then it doesn't matter so much uh, where you live because it's you have the connections already people can send you work you can be anywhere and you know there are certain people we know have this real you know, digital nomad lifestyle they just you know have you know have their laptop and stay in airbnbs around the world and mm. and you know do their development work obviously they're not married with cats but uh, although i did hear about a, a couple with a young baby who was managing to do to do this <laughs> so you know after a while it doesn't matter where you are and and you know i've had a couple of clients local to oakley but only a, a few most of my clients are are elsewhere and it doesn't matter where and i've worked for with people for years without ever meeting them but yeah you know once you get some kind of expression of interest uh, you do want to follow up uh, and you know that's where the where the lapse is you know if somebody sends you a referral you should contact the person now maybe it doesn't go anywhere maybe by the time you talk to them they they found somebody else but but you should follow up and then you should follow up with the person who sent you the referral and say i contacted them on such and such and and here's what happens and you know it's easy to lose track of that stuff and and not do it but it it is important to do because you know i know that if i send somebody a referral and i don't hear anything you know i'm very unlikely to send them a referral again you know if, if i get a message back that says you know thank you for thinking of me i'm much too busy right now i you know i can't do this fine 
that that's you know i'll i'll still think of you in the in the future so you know it it is really important to uh, uh, to respond uh, to inquiries i think you made a great point and and that's something i want to address too um, because my, I'll just, uh, let everyone know, like my wife, like is always like pressuring me, like we should like, you know, move to somewhere more rural. And I'm like, no, I came from somewhere more rural. I want, <laughs> I, I love living in the city. I like being in the city and I like Sacramento. I love it a lot. And before I would always say like, you know, I, you know, you gotta be near a big city. I can't be out in the middle of nowhere. And finally, I'm like just now to the point where it's like, you know what? I actually feel like now I could actually go wherever and be okay but it takes an immense amount of work of building up like blogging videos podcasting all this stuff but let's say somebody's listening to this and you're in a rural area say you're i come from a town is like only fifteen thousand people it hasn't changed in like 30 years really (laughs) but you know what, if, if I was there in, in a similar situation now, I would get as many like clients in that in wherever you are as possible and build up, you know, some sort of reputation. And then you can expand it out because people are connected like everywhere. And I would really like emphasize content marketing. If you're somewhere not, um, you know, prominent, not near a big population base, it pays off. Um, Jonathan, I want to ask you about lead nurturing, like moving people down a funnel. How, what things have you found effective? I know you have like a really large email list for uh, the tonic. How, how, how effective is that? And, and what kind of engagement do you get with that? Well, is it, you know, it's taken over 10 years. It's a bit fragmented, but still a lot of those people open it. And over the past year, over the past, I used to talk about just general technology, WordPress and social media and whatever I found interesting. You used to have a main subject and I used to have sub sub subjects basically. But over the course of the past 18 months, it's become more and more WordPress focused promoting the interviews that we've done through the podcast. But then I have a, a sidebar section where I choose stories that I personally have found interesting. And it's still, you know, I was, I was worried that I was going to lose a lot of, a lot of people were going to j- drop out and that. But it hasn't happened. It's still around about 20% open it regularly. And one of our one of my best clients came from a referral of somebody that regularly opens the um, newsletter, and that's been a, a really great client. I just really think it's something I've reflected. It's really well reflected recently, and I'd just like to see if Adam agreed. It's it's really easy to get defocused. It's really, there's so much going on. And as a small team, you, you know, producing content, writing content, producing videos, I think you really should just choose like two to three areas where you're, the content you're going to produce is going to be top notch and you, you've got the time resources to market it effectively. Would you agree with that, Adam? I agree 100%. I feel like half my job these days is telling my boss, no, we shouldn't do that. We should focus on this, what we're good at. No, absolutely, especially with a small team. But And, and the, the smaller the team, if it's just you, 
focus on the stuff you're really good at because nobody's going to want mediocre content because they can always find someone who's doing it great. You know, there's, there's no point in doing something. And if you're not awesome at it, you know, because even when you're awesome at it, there's a lot of competition. So yeah, I agree completely. And I think there's got to be some, there's got to be some fault why you're doing it and where you're going with it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you see a lot of people who are just, they're just doing things, you know, they're just throwing stuff against the wall and hoping something will stick in a a little bit of thought. Yeah. Crazy idea. A little bit of thought beforehand before actually doing stuff can, can work wonders. It's a great point. And I want to follow up uh, with a, maybe like a last uh, question for the panel. And um, when you've got people aware that they have a problem, you've educated them, um, you've given them information. And I'm going to kind of combine a couple steps here. But when it comes to they're judging your solution versus the other ones that are in the market. Say if you're an agency, they're judging you against other agencies. If you're, you know, a theme or a plugin, they're judging you against the other ones that do the same thing. What kind of what kind of um, things do you do at that point to kind of override their objections and get them to commit to a sale? Do you hit those objections head on, or you know how, how do you approach that? I mean, I think that that that's different for everybody. You know, I think you can definitely find some people who are is almost like a personality thing. Um, you know, I feel like there are some people who are going to be most successful by meeting objections head on and trying to smash through them. And there are personality types and audiences who are going to resonate with that. And that's going to work for them. And there are other people who that kind of stuff is just not going to work, you know, and you have to be more subtle. Um, So I I think it it really depends on your audience. You know, it really depends on who you're targeting and it depends on you and what you're comfortable with. You know, if you're trying to do something that you don't feel that you just aren't doing well or makes you acutely uncomfortable, I, maybe that helps you grow as a person, but I don't know that it's going to help you get some sales, you know? I just want to say one thing that I've learned, and I still do it regrettably, and I'm not going to go into the... I, I have some sense why I do it, but God gave you one mouth and two ears and <laughs> gave you those for a reason. I, I don't think I do it now so much where I've got a client who's making a judgment about if they're going to give me gobs of money. I've learned the hard way to keep my mouth closed and really think before I open it. Because I've, I, on reflection, have lost some big possible clients because I've just gone rabbiting on down a warren, a warren which I... Um, they weren't interested in and I made the whole purchasing process too complicated by doing that so and I've really become this and a lot of people kind of push it in in the industry is these very long-winded proposal documents I really think you should understand one to two really key problems that a client is concerned about. And that's what the initial proposal should be about. And then the actual contract is where you go in. And I think Lee Jackson, one of our other panelists, has really put some great ideas through about what should be in that contract document. But the proposal, the shorter it is, the more focus it is on a couple of 
the client's real problems. But those initial discussions, I really think you should record the conversations using something like Zoom, if the client is happy with that, the possible client. And you really want to listen more than you talk. And when you talk, it should be really about solving the problems which the client, through your questions, hopefully you've given the space for your clients to express. What do you think, John? I think that's a great point. Like your proposal shouldn't be a pitch. It should be things that you've already agreed upon in previous discussions. And then that way it's just a formality. I think if you're doing a pitch, like in the proposal that you're going to have less chance of success than if you've already kind of agreed upon those things in a previous discussion. Something I want to ask Sally, um, when it comes to, you know, we're getting down toward the bottom of the funnel and people are comparing, they're saying like a WP fan girl. And then there's all these other, you know, people, do you just, are you like Eminem at the end of eight mile in the battle with Papa Doc, do you just say, yes, I'm going to be more expensive? Uh, yes, it's, it's, this is what it's going to be. Do you expose like ev- all their objections at once? Or how do you address um, the comparisons that are going to happen between you and the other choices out there? Yes. Well, you know, having been raised by an attorney, I have this regrettable tendency to, you know, to argue a lot and go sort of point by point through things in, in excruciating detail. And let me tell you, this is not a good tactic. So I I try not to do that. And, you know, if somebody, if, if they're considering somebody else, you know, don't badmouth your competition. Um, you know, I pretty much say to people, well, this is, you know, this is how I work and what I charge. And if you have a, you know, and I, I try to say to people in the beginning, you know, if you have a limited budget, we can work out what it's possible to do within that budget. You know, I try to be helpful and I, it's not that I won't take on a small project. It's just that I won't take on a big project for a small amount of money. Uh, so, uh, you know, I pretty much end up telling people that, you know, you have to go with what is going to work for you. If you really feel that they're going to be better based on your interactions with them, go ahead. You know, if, if it doesn't work out, you know where to find me. Mm. No, I think that's really great. Um, I think we're about, about at our time. So I'm going to let everybody tell us where to find them and uh, anything that you want to promote. But before we do that, I just want to say, if everybody is, anybody out there listening, if you're getting value from this podcast, be sure to go to iTunes, leave a review. It helps surface our podcast so other people can find it. We do appreciate it. And we might even read your review on the air. So leave us something good. And with that, Adam, how do we find you? BlueSteelSolutions.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, just search Blue Steel Solutions. There's an extra E at the end and something to promote. We've got a, a new customer persona template. We call it the ultimate customer persona template. Um, it's like 80 pages long, and it's got some, some of the stuff we talked about today in it, setting up those audiences. So check it out. It's in our resource center. Uh, that sounds awesome. We'll link that up in show notes. Sally, how do we find you? Anything you want to promote? Uh, you can find me at uh, wpfangirl.com. Uh, I'd like to promote the uh, meetup a little bit because I just rebuilt their website um, as, using a, <clears throat> a little bit of CSS grid on the homepage, and that's at eastbaywp.com, or you can go to meetup.com and search for East Bay WordPress Meetup. Adam, nothing is ever ultimate. <laughs> All right, that means last, <laughs> final. 
this is this is technology everything is evolving so you know you what you have sounds like the most complete thing that exists so far well it's not the penultimate just yet so it's close enough <laughs> i'm sure if i had to write it is there <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate's a good descriptor, man. That, 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 that motivates people to click. There you uh, go. <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan, who are you and where do we find you? Anything you want to promote? Oh, it's crazy to find me. I'm all over the internet like a rash, folks. Uh, just put Jonathan Denwood into Google. But to be serious, um, at Jonathan Denwood. I'm going to change my Twitter strategy. I've been thinking about that. So you might find that interesting. Oh, you can email me, folks. Oh, Johnny's cringing. (laughs) 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 I'm used to it by now, John. Uh, um, Jonathan at wp-tonic.com. I will answer any email that comes through. Excellent. And you can find me at my website, which is Design. Like Blue Steel, I have a silent E after the lock. So, <laughs> silent E Club. Yeah. Woo. Woo. If you want to follow me on Twitter, lockdown underscore, and something I want to promote too. Hey, I just had an article published on the GoDaddy Garage. It's five ways that your auto body shop can bring more business in the door. Some great SEO tips specific to auto body shops. I, uh, just took my friend Brandon uh, here in Sacramento to number two for a classic car restoration is right behind Yelp. So there you go. Check that out. For the WP Tonic posse in effect, we're saying peace out and get your dose. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.